Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Boom, the boys are back. It is time for another episode of Bosco's Boys. I hope everyone had the chance to listen to yesterday's episode where I talked with my good friend Jimmy Goheen uh, to get his Blitz Month preview and predictions on the record for K-State football next season. Now, if you listen to that one, good for you. If you haven't, like I said, go back and listen to it. Jimmy's always the best one that we bring on and I'm always pumped to do episodes with him. Today's episode is going to be a solo pod. I'm going to be kind of running down some K-State news. We got some uh, got some basketball. We got some volleyball. We got some football, of course. Uh, and then I'm going to give the five storylines or five topics I'm really going to be keyed in on for K-State football through the entire year. And then the five storylines, talking points, uh, you know, topics that I'm going to be dialed in for the Big 12 through the entire year. So it's going to be a bit of a mixed bag. It's going to be a bit of a hodgepodge. But there's been enough stuff going on uh, that I figured, hey, you know, it makes sense. This episode makes sense. Um, let's jump into it, and, and we're going to start with football. We're going to start with football. We're going to go basketball. We're going to go volleyball, a little bit of football, and then we're going to get into the storylines. But starting with football, the AP preseason poll was released uh, today, Monday the 14th. K-State checking in at 16, and that's really – that that makes sense. I, I think, I, think I, I said this on here. I'm doing the pod poll and I think I had K-State around 10, maybe it was 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Um, obviously, I'm biased. Obviously, I'm a big K-State fan. But I think 16 makes sense. You know, I was hoping we'd be on uh, inside the top 15. Um, but 16 makes sense. Um, being in the preseason poll, this now marks every single season during the Chris Kleiman era. K-State has been ranked in both the AP and the Coaches Bowl. Uh, so even that disastrous COVID season, if folks remember, we were ranked in both polls for a time in there as well. Um, so I'm pumped. Again, it doesn't mean anything. And I, I think rankings, especially in the college football playoff era, um, people get worked up about the AP poll. People get worked up about the uh, Coaches Poll. 
It doesn't really bother me. It's fun. It's fun seeing a number next to your name that's going to give you more coverage. You're going to get talked about on the National College Football Podcast. They're going to pick your game on ESPN College Game Day. Um, There's going to be folks who are tuning into your game when they see it on the TV guide because uh, you have a number next to your name. It is a good thing. It is objectively good for now, I'll feign and I'll, I'll fake outrage if K-State isn't ranked uh, as high as I think they will, should be. Um, and it's fun to kind of play that chip on your shoulder, uh, that play that character on Twitter. Um, that is fun. I, I enjoy doing that. But ultimately, uh, it doesn't really matter. The only rankings that do matter, the college football playoff rankings. And ultimately, you guys know how I feel about that. Um, at the end of the year, the final AP poll, the final college football poll, obviously you want to be ranked as high as you can. Those are accolades. Those are things that go in the media guide on the Wikipedia page. Um, so, so that is all good. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely not going to get super worked up about, oh, how could so-and-so be in front of K-State and all this type of stuff. And a lot of folks on Twitter, some of the national folks like, uh, that clown at Fox Sports, I can't even remember his name, basically faking a bunch of outrage at K-State was one spot in front of TCU and the A people. Absolutely stupid. It's a joke. Um, and Chauncey agrees. Um, but ultimately, 16, hey, that feels good. I think you have a shot at being in the top 15 when you go to Missouri. Um, I think you have a shot at being top 10 uh, when you are on the road at Oklahoma State, um, you know you might be in the top ten when you when you come back from that by or, uh, or when you come back from Oklahoma State as long as you win that uh, for that matchup with TCU. Um, if TCU takes care of business early on in their season again, that could be a top ten, if not a top fifteen matchup, um, right at that midway point in the season. So that's exciting. And, and, it, and it sets up for um, some exciting games. Troy receiving votes. Missouri not receiving any AP votes. They're receiving coaches poll votes. Um, Texas Tech, I think, just on the outside in the AP poll, which was wild. Um, Oklahoma ranked Texas as number 11. Um, so it, th- there will be plenty of opportunities for big time games. And then if you win and if your opponents win, everything takes care of itself. Um, probably the biggest news, and I hope I'm not jinxing it. I don't think I'm jinxing it. Although, <laughs> I mean, everything's, everything's a little, uh, a little, I don't want to say sketchy. Everything's a little bit. Uh, hesitant, you're a little worried saying anything until it is officially official. But I'm pretty sure that Keith Glover has committed to Jerome Tang and the basketball team. Now, I'm saying pretty sure. We kind of all remember what happened with Joe Toussaint and uh, Mr. Waggy. So, nothing's a done deal till it's a done deal, but I'm 99% confident. So, I'm going to talk about it here. Uh, shout out to Jerome Tang and the coaching staff uh, getting the commitment from uh, Keese Glover. Again, it's not official. I haven't seen anything from Keese Glover. Um, but they're over in Israel getting ready for their first exhi- exhibition game tomorrow. 
Uh, it's like one thirty over there, and they're sending out the signal saying we got the commitment. So I'm pumped about it. That brings us up to 12 scholarship players, one scholarship still open. Um, look, this is about as good as it gets. Um, this was a kid who actually had committed to BYU earlier in the portal season. So he was a spring portal guy. He committed to BYU. It sounds like there was some hang-ups, some disagreements uh, based on what he was promised in the NIL world. Um, He never enrolled when it looked like that was not coming to fruition. He uh, got back in the portal, uh, which he could do that because he never officially enrolled at BYU. Illinois, our old friend Brad Underwood was going after him. Uh, Indiana was going after him. So again, a a very high pedigree guy, especially at this point in the portal. Um, He's a 5'11 guy. So again, he's not really, he's not adding something that we do not have player wise, but he gives you a legitimate scoring option from the bench. So he played his first two years at Florida, didn't really do much, but he has that pedigree of a guy who can be on a Power 5 roster. He has uh, some experience. He knows what it's like to be a Power Conference basketball player. He went to Samford and really had a great two seasons there, especially when it comes to scoring the ball. So at his time at Samford, 17.4 points a game, 3.5 assists. Last season, he shot 37.8 from three. I have no idea if he can play defense. I'm not going to even pretend. I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to try any of that. I have no clue if he can play defense. But he is uh, coming to K-State, and he knows how to score the ball. Now, I I think Desi Sills was a totally different type of player. I think Desi Sills was a more athletic type of player. You knew Desi Sills could play defense. Um, and he, he, I mean, I think he was a little bit taller. I mean, he was throwing the ball down. But that, that's the type of role he's going to be asked to, you know, fill in. He's going to probably play anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes a game. We're going to look to him some games and say, hey, look, we're going to need you to go out there and get us 12. Hey, some games we're going to just need you to hit a clutch three while Cam Carter or Tyler Perry are getting a breath on the bench. Um, but ultimately... The, the, the biggest key in why this is such a big deal is you now have an experienced guard coming off the bench. Now, I think Day-Day Ames and R.J. Jones both are going to have great careers at K-State. I, I truly believe that. But when you have two NBA caliber, not just NBA caliber, but prob- I, I'm, I'm saying it right now, two guys who I think are going to be drafted in next year's NBA draft, and Arthur Kaluma and uh, Naquan Tomlin, excuse me. You don't want to throw away a season like that. You don't want to chalk it up and just say, well, you know, we're just trying to develop some stuff. Hey, you know, it's a rebuilding year and all that type of stuff. You don't want to have that mentality and you don't want to have that type of roster when you have two guys who are going to be drafted in next spring's NBA draft. And then you have Tyler Perry, who is one of the most sought-after guards in the portal. Being able to get Keith Glover in raises that ceiling another couple games and allows you to have 
a little bit of breathing room if Cam Carter's having an off night. If Tyler Perry finds himself uh, in early foul trouble in a game where you really need to keep scoring. This is going to be a guy who you can depend on and he's going to be a guy who will allow R.J. Jones and allow Day-Day Ames to grow into their position at K-State. Um, and I think that is super exciting. And again, uh, Coach Jerome Tang continues to prove people wrong uh, because when uh, Marcus, or yeah, when Toussaint and Waggy, when they fell through, I thought to myself, well, you're not going to get another shot at a high quality, a worthy player uh, for this team. I, I, I was thinking, all right, take a project, take a JUCO guy, try to get someone to reclassify, find someone who um, is you know going to reclassify or someone who's playing overseas, just fill the spots. And once again, Drum Tang has pulled a. Uh, I don't know if he's a dude, but he's definitely a guy. Uh, uh, he's a player uh, out of his hat late in the portal season, and he is Keith Glover is going to be a real deal contributor for this team. I mentioned that they're over in Israel. They're playing their first exhibition game uh, of the season. There's going to be three, so they're playing Israel uh, Select in Tel Aviv. Tomorrow, and then when they fly over to Abu Dhabi, um, they will be playing Team Mexico, the Mexican national team. Then I believe a a United Arab uh, UAE uh, national team. I believe that's what it is. Um, I don't have any information on those second two games, but they are playing at 11 a.m. Central Time versus the Israel Select team. And I believe it is going to be streamed live on K-State Athletics' YouTube page. I think that is the case. I'm not 100% sure, but as of recording this, there is a scheduled event on the K-State Athletics' YouTube page for that game. So if you're interested in checking it out, uh, I think the stream is supposed to go live at 1045 in the morning. I think the game will tip off at 11 a.m., so you might be able to get a peek at, I mean, your first look at the 2023-24 Wildcats basketball team. Before we move on with the show, remember we are sponsored by Charlie Hustle. Now, if you listened to yesterday's episode, I said we are going to have a giveaway. We're not. The giveaway starts next week, and that was at the request of Charlie Hustle. So I will let you guys do whatever you want with your imaginations as to why Charlie Hustle would like us to wait until next Monday to start our giveaway. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There might just be some brand new fire, absolute fire merch coming from Charlie Hustle. So stay tuned on that one. But they're sponsoring us. And look, if you have some friends who aren't blessed enough to be Kansas State Wildcats. They have all sorts of officially licensed gear for schools all over the region and all over the Big 12. They just launched some West Virginia stuff today. They just launched some brand new additions to the Arrowhead collection. Like I said, I think folks are going to be very happy next Monday. Cough, cough, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Brand new K-State gear coming to the ball game. 
their iconic Casey Hearts and all their uh, philanthropy and communities where you can buy a shirt and proceeds go to a charity in the Kansas City region. The iconic Casey Hearts, all of it. They are local to the Midwest. They are a Kansas City company. They actually care about our region and they care about the Wildcats. So check out charliehustle.com, Vintage Made Fresh. But you might want to wait until Monday if you're in the market for some brand new K-State gear. All right, um, some exciting news. Uh, K-State Volleyball has sold out their season tickets. Um, There will be single-game tickets available for every game except for the Nebraska game. A big former Big 8, Big 12 volleyball foe in Nebraska. That's the second game in the brand-new Morgan Family Volleyball Arena. The first game will be, I think, first Nebraska-Omaha on September 1st inside the arena. I think they have some away games first. I'll be talking to Brian Smoller later this week. I think you'll be able to hear our conversation on Friday where we will preview the women's soccer and volleyball team as well as get Brian's predictions on the K-State football season. Uh, But it's exciting. I've talked about this on multiple occasions. Um, Our Hearn Fieldhouse was, and this is exactly kind of, I think the old people's take. A Hearn Fieldhouse absolutely was rocking for volleyball. Um, you had pretty decent attendance numbers for some only okay volleyball teams in Bramlage. Uh, but now having an arena that is going to be intimate, that is going to really allow the atmosphere to come back and thrive, that is so exciting for me as a K-State fan and someone who went to uh, no less than 30, 40 games, no, probably not 40, but around 30, maybe up to 40 games. I mean, I went to a lot of volleyball games when I was a student my four years at K-State uh, in uh, in Ahern. I remember watching on ESPN Plus back in the day when they went to Nebraska and pulled off that upset in the NCAA tournament. So I have a lot of fond memories uh, watching K-State volleyball, and I could not be more excited for the trajectory and the future of the program and having them kick off that season in front of sold-out crowds and playing in front of what I'm, what I'm sure is going to be a very raucous atmosphere at K-State uh, once again. It, it is truly going to be electric in the volleyball arena. Uh, speaking of tickets... Uh, again, here's it's kind of like the uh, you know ticket office hour here at K State, and by hour I mean like five minutes here on Bosco's boys. But I, I, I think if my math is correct, if what I was looking at is correct, under 300 tickets for Semo in the opener, only a handful of tickets left for Troy. I think Troy is just I think Troy's just GA in the old band corner. UCF just upper deck tickets. I think GA is all sold out for that. And then TCU standing room only. I think maybe for the other three games you might get some standing room only. Um, But again, we're on the march towards selling out the entire season once again for football. Could have one of our best football attendances, uh, season-wide attendances uh, here in the last, what, six, seven years? Uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. Basketball tickets again. I think there's under 
200 at most season tickets left for men's basketball. I don't think they're holding anything back for uh, men's basketball single game tickets uh, unless it's going to be some GA opportunities. Um, so, folks, again, I think COVID killed off attend- like sports attendance. Um, I don't want to say forever again. I-, I think there's been some numbers. I don't know if they will ever recover to the pre-pandemic level nationwide. But at K-State, uh, between the excitement for women's basketball, the new volleyball arena, men's basketball – maybe selling out the season. Football, probably going to sell out the season. Um, Soccer, again, very well attended uh, for a program still, you know, crawling out of its infancy to its child stages. Uh, K-State fans are supporting their teams, and I absolutely love it. I also absolutely love Manhattan Brewing Company. Folks, we recorded there on Monday. I hope you enjoyed the extra ambiance. I know some folks... Don't love the extra background noise. The sound levels were a little all over the place. But that that really gets me back to the roots of things like when Grant and I started. Nothing is as fun as recording a podcast live from the brewery, sipping a beer right from the source. And I got a couple four-packs and some crowlers to bring back to Topeka, which I will then take back to Shawnee with me. And I love it. I love Manhattan Brewing Company. I had the Golazo. I feel like I could drink 30 of those beers responsibly if I knew I wasn't going to have to drive anytime in the next week. They were that good. That might be my new favorite beer. Now, that's not to take away from the classic Towny Wheat, which is the tailgate beer of the season. Always stop by and get some Towny Wheat before you head to Bill Snyder Family Stadium to have a little tailgate party. But it's absolutely delicious. I love Manhattan Brewing Company. They're the best. You guys should love them too. If you don't, if you haven't, just just be nice. Tell your local liquor store you want Manhattan Brewing Company. Be nice, and they're going to do it. And if they don't, keep bugging them or find a new liquor store that will. I love Manhattan Brewing Company. You should too. Okay. I'm going to get into these. I'll give my top five and I'm going to talk about them. But I want you guys to tweet at me what your top storylines, top uh, top topics, things you're really going to keep an eye out on through this football season. I think there's, I mean, I probably could do top 50, but uh, I'm not going to do that to you guys. My number one thing for K-State football, and I've mentioned this a couple times, how are they going to react to being the hunted? K-State football, notoriously, basically uh, since Bill Snyder retired the first time, they've always been disrespected. They've always relished being the hunters. Truly, because if you go back to 2012, K-State was picked like 6th or 7th in the Big 12. They were preseason like 22nd. You know, they weren't the hunted. They were disrespected. No one was circling that name on the schedule. So this is the first time that this team truly has been the hunted, maybe since 2004. Maybe since 2003. I mean, we're talking about a 20-year span Going, you know, being not difference is going to circle that game. Now, I think they're going to handle it all right. 
I think that they've fought enough adversity. I think in the climbing era, we've seen a few occasions, especially at home, games where they've lost at home as a double-digit favorite. So I think that they've learned the lesson that if you're not 100% focused, uh, this schedule's tough enough that literally everyone on the schedule could beat you if you are not focused bringing a quality game to the field. I'm not going to sit here and say that K-State has to play their A game versus SEMO. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they even need to play their A game versus Troy or West Virginia um, or Houston. You know, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to lie to you guys. But if you play a C-plus game versus Missouri, they're going to be capable of beating you. If you try to sleepwalk past West Virginia, we've seen it happen. We've seen bad West Virginia teams beat teams in Manhattan that should have won by 14. We've seen it happen. So, you know, there's no game where you can just completely sleepwalk, give a D-plus effort, and come out with a win. And there's not going to be a single team that's going to sleepwalk or try to look past you. And I think that is a little bit new. The next one is, how is K-State going to react? And how is K-State going to backfill in these superstars? I'll talk about the secondary specifically a little bit later, but it turns out that you had two NFL cornerbacks starting for you the last two seasons. You had quite possibly the greatest running back to ever play for K-State gone. Even though he never reached his full potential and he was hurt quite often, go back and look at Malik Knowles' history. You know, Malik Knowles last year for a wide receiver had more yards from scrimmage than anyone not named Tyler Lockett and Curry Sexton, you know, in the last 10 years. You just lost the two-time defensive lineman of the year and the reigning Big 12 defensive player of the year and first-round draft pick Felix and DK Uzama. You're losing some major pieces. But as I've talked about on multiple occasions on this podcast, when I go on other podcasts, when I have other guests on here, when you look at who's trying to fill those holes, I'm pretty damn bullish. I've now said on multiple occasions that I think DJ Giddens could have a 1,000-yard rushing season and have another 300 or so yards in the passing game. We've all heard and even seen Trayshawn Ward, not DJ Giddens, get some of this preseason love being the preseason Big 12 newcomer of the year, being on the Doak Walker watch list. He was an explosive player. Almost all his yards came from explosive plays at Florida State. I can't help but be extremely bullish on those two guys. And hey, Joe Jackson's getting quite a bit of love from the coaches and from the players in their uh, preseason camp uh, press availabilities. So I think we're going to be all right there. I've said it again on multiple occasions. Felix is leaving. 
Money Mott, Brendan Money Mott. He's tied for the most sacks returning to the Big 12 this season. You have Khalid Duke, who has been Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week on multiple occasions. And then you have Nate Matlack, who had multi-sack games, has been a defensive freshman or Big 12 Freshman of the Week. And he was banged up all last season. All indications are he is back to being healthy. I think you're going to be all right. Jacob Parrish and Will Lee, everyone is super high on those two guys. Trying to replace Julius Brents and Echo Boydo. I mean, those are the guys you have the least amount of tape, the least amount of proven experience. But again... We saw Jacob Parrish at times last year making absolutely big-time plays, playing a ton. Will Lee, one of the top JUCO defensive backs in the nation, beat out Nick Saban and Alabama for his services. Again, bullish on what that can be. But you are having to backfill the stars, and that is something I'm going to keep an eye on. The next one is, can Will Howard take another jump? Again, I've now talked about it. I've talked about it with a few people. Will Howard has a chance to put himself in the conversation of being a top three quarterback of all time at K-State because what is on the table? Because no quarterback in the modern era has won back-to-back conference titles for K-State. The only time it's been done, I have no idea if Micah Hearn had a returning quarterback way back in the day when they won the Kansas Collegiate Intercoll- or Kansas Inter- Intercollegiate Athletic Association back-to-back titles uh, way back in the early 1900s. I have no idea who the quarterback was for Micah Hearn's team back then when they won back-to-back titles. No clue. <laughs> no clue. Not going to pretend I know. In his passing proficiency and also in a offense that's going to allow him to air it out more, we could see some passing records fall. So if we see those types of numbers from Will Howard, if we see another trip to Arlington, he is going to have an argument uh, to, to be amongst some of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever had. Now, equally... If he doesn't back up last season, if this team only goes eight and four, what's what's the legacy of Will Howard going to be? Now I'm I'm bullish on Will, and I'm very bullish on this team, as you guys have heard me all off season. Um, but that is that is going to be maybe if you're talking individual players. That's going to be something that's under the microscope for K-State fans, microscope, excuse me, for K-State fans the entire season. And K-State fans are not unique in this. Let me say this again. K-State fans are not unique in this. But when you have one of the highest rated recruits, a home state kid who is going to be a dynamic athlete who is waiting in the wings as a true freshman, I mean, a couple bad games and inexcusable loss early. Again, K-State fans are no different than any other fan base. Um, things could could get ugly. 
Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Will Howard's going to have a great season. I think he's going to be in contention for all Big 12. And I think K-State's going to be at a minimum in the hunt for Arlington. So I don't think we're going to have to worry about those negatives. But it is something that adds an extra bit of depth to the Will Howard storyline this season. Storyline and topic number four I'm going to keep watching, keep looking out for. Will Colin Klein's ascension amongst the hottest names in college football continue? The Notre Dame job was the most publicized. It is the one where there was an actual offer put on the table. And for about 48 hours, I thought Colin Klein was gone. He proved that sometimes, you know, blood is thicker than gold coin. And he wanted to stay at K-State. He wanted to continue the project and continue what he is building at K-State. Now, all of that kind of goes out the window, again, similar to Will Howard. If K-State goes 8-4, and four, if the offense sputters uh, a little bit more than it did last year, if it looks a little bit more Tulane versus Oak, instead of Oklahoma, um, then all of a sudden we don't have to worry about it. But if this team goes 11-1, and one, if this team goes 10-2, and two, and if they have an efficient, fun, exciting offense that's putting up yards and points, folks, we're not going to be talking about Colin Klein, uh, offensive coordinator at a blue blood, because remember, Texas A&M wanted him to come in to College Station for an interview. He said, thanks, but no thanks. Alabama talked to him before they went a different direction with Tommy Reese from Notre Dame. Uh, So, again, you had two of probably the five biggest football programs, or ten, I don't know where you place Notre Dame, but you had Notre Dame offering the job, and you had Nick Saban talking to Colin Klein last offseason. You have an exciting, fun offense that puts up points and yards. You're talking power five head coaching jobs sniffing around Colin Klein. You're having the creme de la creme of group of five job openings coming after Colin Klein. And if that's the route he goes, and and if if we have that good of an offense this season, that he says, you know what, I'm going to take my shot at being a head coach. I will cheer him on, and I will watch his teams as much as I watch any other team in college football not named K-State. But that's the type of ascension we're hearing, what we're seeing for Colin Klein. And then the final one that I'm going to keep an eye on, and I I think this will be a fun one, just K-State's streak of basically turning over the entire secondary and being a top half of the Big 12 secondary continue. We already talked about Echo Boydo. And Julius Brents, both of which are looking. Julius Brents might be a starter for the Colts. Echo Boydo might be on the 53-man roster for the Chiefs. You lose two of your other safeties. Josh Hayes, again, drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You had three NFL guys in your secondary last year. You're only bringing back Kobe Savage. Now, only bringing back Kobe Savage, who preseason all Big 12 on all sorts of watch lists. That's a damn good piece to be bringing back. But you are turning over four of the five. This is something that has happened almost every single year during the Chris Kleiman era, and they've always seemingly been fine. 
Can we keep that up? That's the thing. I, that might be one of the top three things I'm watching, I'm keying in on uh, for the three non-coming games. So to run it back, how K-State is going to be, uh, now that they are the hunted, not the hunters, how will K-State backfill their superstars leaving? Can Will Howard take another jump? Will Colin Klein's ascension amongst the hot college football coaching names continue? And can K-State keep that high level of play in the secondary with yet another year where they turn over a ton of the guys? Now, before we get into the five Big 12 storylines that I'll be watching, remember we're sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company, the best brewery in the state of Kansas. Every time you go to Manhattan, get a couple pints, get a couple four-packs to go, and get some crowlers to go. Manhattan Brewing Company, Gornu favorite beers waiting for you. You just got to go find it. And Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh, brand new K-State collection dropping on Monday, Monday, Monday. And we will have a giveaway all next week. Charlie Hustle, they are the best. All right, here are the five storylines I will really be keyed in on and watching all season long in the Big 12. Number one, how will the incoming schools adapt to life in the Big 12? Now, you guys have heard me enough at this point to know I, I'm not expecting big things from Houston. Definitely not p- expecting big things from Cincinnati. BYU, I think they're just always going to be who they are. And UCF, I think they're going to be able to hit the ground running a little bit. I don't think they contend for Arlington, but they might be like an 8 and nine, eight or 9 win team and, and really cause headaches for teams this season. The next one is how will OU and UT's final seasons go? It's Big 12 championship or bust for both of those teams. Oklahoma has a weak schedule. Texas, uh, by every metric, it doesn't matter the metric. If, if, if you're doing a computer power ranking, if you're looking at any of the models, UT is head and shoulders above everyone in the Big 12. Will they perform up to that standard? History says no. Can Sark be that guy to do it? We'll find out. But those are both championship game or bust for Oklahoma and championship or bust for Texas. And really, it's the other 12 teams in the Big 12 trying like desperately, desperately, desperately to keep those two out of Arlington. The number three one close to home. Does KU have an encore in them, or will the magic run out? Now, they are vastly improved from the two and three win teams uh, from yesteryear. Do not take what I'm about to say, if, if anyone who's a KU fan listening to this, do not take it any other way. They are greatly improved. But it took a lot of magic. It took a lot of friendly bounces last year to get to that six wins. It took a walking dead zombie team of Oklahoma State to get that six win after K-State beat the absolute shit out of them. And will KU fans have enough self-awareness and will they have enough uh, football IQ not to melt down if they go four and eight. If they go five and seven, they don't go to a bowl game. That will be something I am watching 
this season. Number four, are we seeing the beginning of the end of the Mike Gundy era? Barely making a bowl last year. Absolutely sputtering on fumes down the stretch last year. Um, He's an old school coach, and I don't think he connects very well to the new age football recruits or the football players. Um, So are we seeing the beginning of the end of Mike Gundy? Now, they have a super easy schedule. I think they very easily could bounce back, have an eight and nine win season, and it just be delaying the death of Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. But if this team only goes six and six, or if they only go seven and five, Oklahoma State need to fire Mike Gundy. Derek Thomas, the head coach of the Rossville Bulldogs, could coach this Oklahoma State team to eight wins. I have no doubt about it. They have some talent on their team. Not as much as they usually do. But folks, just look at that schedule. Woof. This needs to be at least an eight-win team for Oklahoma State, or they need to fire Mike Gundy. And then the final one is how long does Neil Brown last? I think he very well might be fired before they play a game in October. I think they might fire him uh, going into their bye week because they have an early bye week, I I think Mike I I think Neil Brown is done for. I think he is donezo. I think it would be the upset of the century if he made it to Halloween. I think West Virginia, you know, I I would be livid if I was a West Virginia fan, and we kept Neil Brown in a lame duck season. That absolutely sucks. Now, I was wrong. I think I thought Neil Brown was going to be a good coach. I think if he gets another shot at a school in the American, the Sun Belt, I think he will be a coach who wins 10 games again in a season, or at least nine games, if it's a Sun Belt team having to play a bunch of bye games. But if he were to go to a Tulsa, if he were to go to a North Texas, if he were to go back to a place like Troy, I think... Arkansas State. I I think that there are a lot of programs where Neil Brown could win a lot of games at. It just is not West Virginia. Then also, does anyone else get fired? I don't know. I I think maybe Dana Holgerson, if they really are bad, could get fired. Matt Campbell, all the shit that's going down at Iowa State. It seemed unthinkable to say something like that, you know, a few years ago. They go three and nine. Had all those gambling issues. Might need to send him back to Mount Union. But that's all I have, folks. Tweet at me, at Scott Wildcat. Let me know the Big 12 and the K-State storylines that you will be uh, eyeing. Uh, I would love to hear what you are going to be following all season long. That's all we have. We'll have another episode tomorrow. We'll have a live show Wednesday, 7 p.m. Tomorrow, 7 p.m. via Zoom. Be checking the Bosco's Boys Twitter account for that Zoom link. I'll probably have to edit stuff out because people can't stop being Zoom terrorists. I hate it. Really hurts my heart, but hey, it is what it is. But yeah, football football season is so close. We are so close, guys. I can almost taste it. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, for Pepper, my parents' dog, er, dog, who's also a very good dog, 
for all the boneheads, for all the K-State Nation. We love you guys, and go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Fight, fight, fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be. Fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State! Network.